Good evening. Are you well? A few of you. Great. Well, I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to getting into God's Word uh, and looking forward to this nation being changed. Who's ready for our nation to look a little bit different? Even just a little bit. I'm ready for that. Uh, and I believe that uh, the local church is, is the hope for that. Did anyone get out to uh, third person this conference that we've had this weekend? Just a few of you. Honestly, people, please make a priority of it. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we know that we need reminding. We need people, other people from around uh, from around to come in and invest. Paul and Becky Harcourt were, were ministering to us. It was a really powerful weekend uh, and we had a really great time. Some of us went out on the streets praying for people who had um, problems. I prayed for a guy who had a, an ankle injury. Uh, it was healed and he ran off scared. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit because it, uh, it comes up in our Bible reading as well. Uh, but God's power is at work. And so be encouraged. And I hope you're going to be encouraged tonight about how you can partner with God to see our nation changed. So tonight we're talking about Tomb Raider to Town Crusader. That's the title. From Tomb Raider to Town Crusader. Because one of the main characters in our story that we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 8 this evening is uh, is possessed by a demon. Uh, So much so that he is uh, uh, sent out and he's hanging around the tombs, this place of death. Uh, and he's self-harming, and he's in a complete mess. But at the end of the story, he ends up going to different towns and speaking about Jesus. What happens in the middle? Well, what happens in the middle is, is the sermon series we're on at the moment, an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus that takes someone from a tomb raider to a town crusader, speaking about God and ministering in power. So wherever you are at, wherever you feel you've been called to in your ministry, what, the difference that you want to make, the way that God works in you, the things that he's given you to contribute and make a change in our world, there may be things that, where you feel limited around that or where you feel stuck. You might not be literally stuck in a tomb and a place of death, but you might have areas in your life where you want to see more of God's freedom. And the good news is, Jesus is well good at that stuff. He is well good. So, uh, demons. We're going to talk a bit about demons tonight. Uh, And uh, culture doesn't talk about demons much. Or if they do, it's like in the, uh, if anyone knows the the kind of pop rock um, band from the US, uh, Imagine Dragons. Uh, They released a song called Demons. uh, And the, the chorus is, look into my eyes, it's where my demons hide. And often we talk about Demons as these kind of hidden issues or shame or patterns of behavior that are broken and that we want to hide away from people. Uh, or or the, the, the patterns of thinking that we know are really wrong, but we want to hide them away. It's our demons. It's the, it's the things that make us compulsively do the wrong thing. I've got demons. Uh, are we just talking about that? Is it just that kind of thing? Well, no, we're talking about real spiritual beings. Real Beings, not beans. Sorry, just to clarify. Real spiritual beings. The Bible talks about them in Revelation 12 as they were angels in the beginning. They were angels created by God who fell uh, when Satan decided he wanted to live life his own way and rule in a different way than God was. And so he took a whole bunch of angels with them. They become demons and they're at work trying to undermine um, the kingdom of God, uh, trying to undermine you. We'll get to a verse on that in a minute. What do they do? A couple of things. I'm just going to brush over this because I don't want to give it too much attention. But uh, possess people to cause them physical and spiritual harm. Possess people to make them do evil. 
binding the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Some scriptures, there's loads of little scriptures you can look at. Deceiving people by disguising themselves as servants of righteousness. Promoting false doctrine. Tormenting believers and performing signs to deceive humans. So they're, they're about the not good stuff. There are all sorts of deception. Decep- Satan is called the father of lies. And so generally, demons, these spiritual beings, are about deception. They're about a counterfeit power. Uh, but as um, Nick Stott was, uh, was speaking this morning really powerfully, uh, and pointed out that there's, when it comes to Jesus versus demons, there's not much of a battle. There's not much of a fight. God is so powerful, and it's a counterfeit power that, that demons have. If this was a pay-per-view boxing match, and you'd invited a whole bunch of your friends around to watch it, the game would be over. The match would be over. It would be KO before delivery had even got around with the pizza. I mean, you've not even finished your tortillas yet. You're just still on the starters, and it's game over. Uh, and we'll see that in this story as we get to it. But this is an extreme story, and I want to make sure that we don't... Uh, excuse ourselves away from it or miss some important application in it. So the first verse that we're going to read, it'll be on the screen, but you can grab a Bible if you want to. It's a short one. John 10, verse 10. The thief, this is talking about the enemy, Satan. The, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. This is Jesus speaking. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In other versions it says, life and life to the full. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to bring life. I'm getting some echo here, Dave, is that? Great, I'll carry on. You just wave at me if you think I should stop. Okay. Um, So that's what's going on. um, there There is... a thief who wants to rob you of life, who wants to undermine who you are, wants to steal from you, kill, kill you, get you to do all sorts of stupid things, whether it's a whole load of excess on sweet stuff, whether it's taking some drugs, whether it's um, texting whilst you're driving, whatever, whatever ideas he can inspire you with, however way he can undermine you, however he can get you to become numb in your relationship with your partner or your spouse so that actually your, your marriage and your family breaks down. He wants to destroy you and undermine you. We've got that? And yet Jesus says, I come to give you life and life to the full. And we're going to look at exactly how that happens as we turn to read the Luke passage. If we can have that on the screen, please, Jamie. Lord, bless us to know you as we read this. So they, that's Jesus and the disciples, arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. They've just gone through a storm. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. Have you ever just started out on a bit of a venture and gone, right, I'm going to go and do some God stuff, and then straight away, first thing you meet, opposition. Uh, For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. I mean, guys, this is a grim picture of a human life. This is a real person living in tombs. Uh, In other um, of the Gospels, it talks about him self-harming. For Jesus, um, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Other versions say, what business do you have, do me and you have together? What do you want with me? Is, is this, what, why, would you, why would you be involved with me? For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. 
the spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. This is a man who is seriously broken. Seriously broken, has somewhere along the line given access into his life to demonic influence and is being driven to do all sorts of, of stuff and has superhuman power, so much so that he breaking chains. And, the, and you get this picture of this community of people around who are exhausted of all answers, exhausted of all possibilities in terms of how to make this situa- situation any better. They just feel stuck. I don't know about you, with people in your life where you just feel stuck, you've tried everything. Well, in this situation, that's the same case. And yet, what they've ended up doing is just trying to chain them up. Chain them up uh, and, and again and again, put under guard. I mean, this is a broken man who is being guarded and shamed and all sorts. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Now, before we go into the next one, no, no, no. has anyone got a real, real fondness to pigs? Before we go into the next slide, if you, could, you might just want to step out of this bit because it gets a bit ugly. Okay. All right. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered into the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Now, pigs actually apparently can swim, but these ones had a tough time. 2,000 of them all together, maybe they just got overcrowding, and so they pushed each other down. I don't know exactly how it happened, but we probably don't want to go into detail of it. Point is, demons, pigs, dead. Um, I call it pulled pork. Um, when, the, when the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting, get this, get this. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, or in his right mind, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. So they'd come because they'd, they'd heard about some, some event, some pig stuff, and this was the man who had the demons, and then they find out Jesus was the one who healed them. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, 39. <coughs> um, <laughs> Our media team do a wonderful job. Uh, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. He becomes this town crusader in the Decapolis. That were ten different towns around that area. Um, so that's, that's what happens. The man who'd been freed ends up teaching and preaching. It's a pretty astonishing story, isn't it? It's a pretty amazing passage. Transforming, a transformation in this encounter with the one that they call Jesus. And yet how sad it is that it ends with... A people seeing a man free and in his right mind 
and being scared, being fearful. Probably the same people who had seen him in his previous state with all his power and, and ripping things apart and yet they just they couldn't quite face it. They couldn't quite hack it. And strangely, as, as God healed this man on the streets of Cheltenham yesterday of his injury that he'd had for a year, scar tissue all over the place, and he, was, he, he just, as, a, as we prayed a simple prayer, in Jesus' name, ankle would just speak healing over this ankle in Jesus' name. And I said, have you noticed the difference? He said, uh, oh yeah, actually, yeah, it feels, it feels different. And then he starts talking a bit, and then he goes, hang on. Hang on, he, he looks at his foot, he starts to wiggle his, his toes a little bit more, and it's, he's like, no, that's really weird. That's really weird. That's, hang on. And then he said, sorry, guys, that's just freaky, I've got to go. And just walks off. He just starts to run away. Because the, there's something about the power of God that for some people is it's awesome. It's, he didn't know where to put it, so we had to chase him. <laughs> we had to chase him. <laughs> we had to chase him down. Uh, which was hard, because he had his foot healed. No, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> But seeing God's power and, and, and moving into relationship with God is not, are not the same things. We see that throughout the Gospels. What I wanna, the main thing that I want you to go away with, and we'll all, be, we'll, we'll all approach this, this passage with different, um, different perspectives, different understandings of God and, and who God is. But the main thing I want you to know is there is nothing that you can go through. There's nothing that you can be wrapped up in. There's nothing that can bind you that is too big for Jesus. There's no history that you can have. There's no oppression you can experience. There's no betrayal, injustice, abuse. There is nothing that is bigger than the name of Jesus. There is nothing. And I'm not saying that lightly because I don't know about your history or I don't know about the pain that you've experienced. I'm not saying that lightly. I'm saying it because I know the power of Jesus. And I know from stories like this, true stories that happen, of Jesus transforming someone. God is powerful. Well, what do we need? What do we need to know about demons? Do we need to be on the lookout? Do we need to be aware of? Uh, what is it? Well, um, John Woolmer really helpfully in this, uh, the devil goes missing, a deliverance theology um, book. Uh, Helpfully, just uh, from this passage, actually, uh, looks at some of the signs of someone who is possessed by demons. Um, and he notices sim simultaneously attracted to and repelled by Jesus. That's often what you can experience in someone who's demon-possessed, a confusion, a drawn to Jesus and yet repulsed. Spoken voices not their own. Voices not their own. Uh, a superhuman strength uh, and, and then also self-harm. John Woolmer adds wild and blazing eyes when he's talking about demon possession. Now, some of these, some psychiatric patients will display some similar signs. So we, we're not supposed to be rushing to some diagnosis like we have to figure out or, or we have to run out and try and figure whether people are this way or that way. That's, not, that's the, not the point. Jesus didn't run around looking for demons. He didn't. But here's, here's an important thing. Here's a big sign of uh, enemy enemy involvement, that the Father's business is being opposed, that God's work is being opposed. The message of the love of God is being compromised. But let's not do that tonight. There's a danger that we could get into all of that. Jesus didn't go looking for demons. He rarely spoke about them. What he always did and what we can do is go about the Father's business. 
Don't go running after, oh, is this a demon? Is that a demon? Is that that? Um, but pursue God. Pursue the love of God. And pursue what he's called you to. If he's called you to get in a boat, get in a boat. If he's called you to go and tell people about Jesus, go tell people about Jesus. Uh, and we take authority over demons in the name of Jesus. We'll look at that in a little bit. But what I do want to say, what I do think is important to say, is that the church historically has had a little bit of a, um, we've not got it all right all the time when it comes to some of this stuff. And we've actually got into demonization, calling stuff demons that aren't demons, when actually what they are is just different from us, or it's a, it's a, it's a discipleship issue, it's not a deliverance issue. Simon Ponsonby, in his, in, in his book uh, about mercy, he says this, you can't, you can't deliver what needs discipling. And you can't disciple what needs delivering. And sometimes we want, there's, whether it's in people's lives, you want to say, oh, that person, they're different, or their, their lifestyle is different. I think they must have a demon, or I think it's, it's demonic, or I think that's evil. We call it evil so we can separate from it, because maybe we fear it or we don't understand it. I don't want us to get into running around and calling stuff evil, that, or calling stuff unclean that Jesus isn't calling unclean. We need to be careful about what we do, particularly with those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Great. So, how does Jesus tackle this? Three things I want us just to, to focus on. Three things that Jesus did, and then three things that we can do. Jesus doesn't avoid the issue. He doesn't avoid an issue. The, the issues, it, it, this guy has become the elephant in the, in the community. He's become this thing that to be avoided. Jesus doesn't avoid it and goes straight to him tackles the issue straight on. Let's not be intimidated. Let's not avoid the issue. And he also breaks the power of the enemy. Because of the cross, because of Jesus' authority with God, we can break the power of the enemy. And that's what he does. He just commands him to be gone. But also the third thing that Jesus does is he commissions the man to a new way. He commissions the man to a new way. He says, hey, why don't you get off and go Go do, go do this stuff. You've, you've been living in isolation. You've been living where you've been driven away from people. Now I want you to go to people. It's the opposite of what, of what the, the demons and what this demonic influence has been, has been pushing you towards. Isolation. Go after people. Go and tell people about me and what's happened in your life. Let your life and let your story, let that victory be something that transforms other people's lives. Great. So very few of us here will have experience of someone who's possessed by a demon. Very few of us will be possessed by demons. We're not, it's, a, it's a rare thing, but it does happen. If you're concerned, chat with the leaders. It's, I don't think we need to go into that, but I do think we need to look at less demon possession, more demonic permission. Because there's an enemy who wants to have a foothold in your life. And the Bible talks about not giving the enemy a foothold. In Ephesians 4.27 it says, Do not give the enemy a foothold in the way that you live, in the things that you do. Don't give him a foothold. And the Greek word is actually topos. And it's like a landing strip. So if you imagine you are air traffic control of your life. And there's all sorts of, all sorts of aircraft flying around. Bitterness, envy, jealousy, unwholesome talk. It's all there in Ephesians 4. And wanting access into your life. Wanting a foothold, wanting to build a stronghold. And you have the opportunity to go, actually, that person did, yeah, they, they were really mean to me. 
that was really inappropriate. And rather than just dealing with it and forgiving and having the conversations, I'm just going to get bitter about that. The enemy gets a foothold. We, we give them access into the way that we think, uh, and then we start to believe lies. And then the enemy begins to build a foothold, build influence in our lives, space in our sinful behavior, whatever it is. Those habits we fear to isolate us from shame or addiction. There's, there's all sorts of different ways that the enemy can have influence in, his life, in our lives, topos, access into your life. And, and the, the Bible encourages us to resist the enemy and he will flee. Resist those kind of thought patterns. Resist whatever it is that would give the enemy space or a foothold. Because generally, it's counterfeit. Generally, the enemy will offer you better we're going to watch a little video clip in a, in a moment if, if Jamie can get that ready. Uh, this is basically how the demonic works. Thanks. Oh, did you, shall I talk a bit more? Great. Sick of making holes in your walls to hang pictures? Hold the picture up with your hands. Are you often unable to find your keys in the morning? Place them in your mouth when you go to sleep. A good way to add extra hours of sleep is to stay in bed and avoid obligations. If you keep it up, eventually you will have no more obligations. Coffee stains can be so annoying, but not if you convince yourself that they're sexy. Prevent sunburn by watching TV. Animal lover? Attract animals by rubbing yourself with deli meat. Increase happiness by remaining ignorant of all current events. <laughs> Need more friends? Throw money at people. Sick of throwing away old food? Prevent food from spoiling by overeating. Got an acne problem? That sucks. Acne sucks. Need to remove a staple but don't have a staple remover? Place paper on the desk. Then burn your house down. <laughs> Basically, generally, the enemy offers you a life hack, a solution to the problem in your life, and it just gets worse. It offers you something that is, that is going to free you, and it actually binds you. And generally, the enemy works like a loan shark, preying on people in an area of vulnerability so that he can prey on you and expose you and, and use you for his good for, for, uh, and to undermine what God wants to be about. That's a kind of funny version of it, but there's, the, the reality is uh, the enemy always wants to cut out God from the equation. Maybe you've got some pain in your life or some, some stuff that is stuck. Well, the enemy just wants to offer you an easy way out or an easy and quick comfort. The bereaved partner who can't cope with the loss of a lifelong friend turns to alcohol to numb the pain. Hey, have this. The person racked with shame over debt, hiding their financial losses from their family and turning to pornography for a quick win. The student battling with self-hatred and the enemy offers them the opportunity to plow everything that they've got into achievement from a fear of rejection. It's counterfeit. It's counterfeit. It's this, hey, why don't you do this? And suddenly you find yourself bound in habits and ways of living. At the extreme end of the spectrum, there's a, a friend of mine who, who tragically lost their teenage daughter. 
at, uh, I think she was about 19 when she died. And she had to process that and, and grieve that and try and walk and understand um, a relationship with God in the middle of all this pain and navigating it. And about five years after her daughter died, some of her family members or friends had come along and said, hey, did you hear that your daughter came up on this seance? I don't know if you know about seances, but it's basically mediums, spiritualists, who basically claim to be able to contact the dead. Actually, they're in contact with evil spirits. It's evil spirits counterfeiting. And so they said, hey, have you heard? Your daughter came up. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? How, how painful that is. And, and she speaks of this, of this opportunity to talk to her daughter again for the first time in five years, the daughter that she's still grieving. And the enemy wants to offer a way out of grief or a, or a, a comfort in grief that actually is just going to bind them up even more. Just walking into the, de- the devil's trap, walking into all of that kind of stuff. Reiki, powers, all that kind of stuff that actually is just false. It's counterfeit and it binds us. It doesn't bring freedom. Like the man that we've been learning about got freedom. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us that there is life and life to the full. There is life and life to the full. But the problem is if we try and do life hacks that cut God out, if we try and cut corners and say, well, I'm not going to wait for God. There's a character in the Bible called Saul who ignores the advice of his spiritual guide of the priests and goes to a witch and goes and and consults spiritists. And it all falls apart. We have the opportunity to cut corners. And it might might not be as drastic as that. But can I encourage you to pursue God and not try and cut corners in your relationship with him. Not try and cut corners in the pressure. When life hits, when pressure comes, when you've got pressure to make a whole bunch of sales and you could do it in an unhealthy way in your business. When pressure comes and you could download an essay from the internet. When pressure comes or when pain happens and there's a the enemy wants to offer you an easier way out. I want to remind us from this passage that there is a Jesus way through. None of our pain is big enough. And we need to make sure that we're not avoiding it. I was doing some um, cutting the grass today. It's, apparently it's the last warm day we're going to have for at least a week. So I'm sorry about that. Don't shoot the messenger, it's going to be wet. So I thought I've got my opportunity to... to uh, to mow the lawn. And I don't know about you, but my, my lawn is not straightforward. I've got a straightforward bit that's really easy to mow. And then I've got a bit behind some concrete and by a wall that's just overgrown. And there's lo- loads of kids' toys or random bits in there. And it's just, it's just a mess to try and mow. And I just did it a little bit. I get to that point in the garden and I don't really know what's under there. And it's all slightly overgrown. So I just close my eyes and hope that I'm not going to go over something that either was important or is going to wreck the mower. And it just becomes a bit of a... And to be honest, I don't really mow it properly. I think there may be people here, and myself included, who have those areas in our lives where we've just, it's just too complicated to go there. It's just too complicated or it's too painful. We just, let's just let it overgrow a little bit. I'm just going to ignore that and just keep this little bit nice. There's a danger in that. There's a danger that we just hide pain. And actually, we find ourselves with hidden hurts and historic pains that hinder what God wants to do. That hinder us be walking in, in freedom.
So what do we need to do? We need to do the same as Jesus, who didn't avoid the issue. He dealt with the problem in power, and he, he commissioned. So we need to not avoid the issue. Not avoid the issue. Take your pain to God. Take your challenge and your stress to God. Pray. Involve him. Write a letter about the pain that you've got. Have some counseling. Ask someone to pray with you. Go for a sozo. Invite Jesus in any way that you can. Invite the Holy Spirit to be the wonderful counselor that the, the Bible speaks of in Isaiah. This wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father as an alternative to all the shortcuts and life hacks that are just going to end up worse for you. Take your pain to God. And lift the lid on pain and brokenness. Becky Harcourt was talking about this yesterday, how we go through pain and we just put it in a bin and we, we put the lid on and we just don't address it and it becomes this festering problem. Don't let there be places in your life where that's the case. Know that there is a God who loves you and his power and his heart is big enough for any pain, any history that you've got, any stuff that you've hidden in broken areas, any stuff that you don't want to be honest about. He's powerful and he absolutely loves you and he's able to bring healing. And it might be that you want to get some counseling. Um, counseling is one of those words that generally, if I hear someone's um, having counseling, I, I worry that there's a problem. I think it should be the other way around. I really do. I think if, there's, if you're not having some form of counseling, either in friendship, in, in a professional capacity, if you're not processing the, the stuff of life that hurts and, and hinders, I'm worried about you. Let's be worried about the people who aren't having counseling. Really? I mean, what if we shifted that around? I'm not saying counseling is the answer. That's not what this Bible passage is talking about. But all of us will have stuff that we need to process and untruths that we're believing or lies that we're living under. Have a mentor. Get a mentor. Have, have a life group around you. Where are your, where's the people who are bringing good counsel to you? So don't avoid the issue. And then deal with the problem. Deal with the problem that it is in your life. And it might be that you need to just take some authority over a lie that you've been living under. That you will never be good enough. Maybe that's a specific lie that the enemy has sought to energize in you. The Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And if we believe that we'll never be good, we behave that we'll never be good. Either by striving to be good out of our own self, or by just giving up and being passive. What lies are we believing and do we just need to break them in the name of Jesus? That is not a lie that I'm going to live under and break it in Jesus' name. Because until we break the power, we can't actually do some of the work. Another lawnmower imagery, but um, I wanted to just clear underneath my lawnmower to get rid of the grass this morning. Wouldn't be a clever idea until I'd unhooked the power. I've got to deal with the power before I deal with the problem and the grass and the mess. And that's the same in spiritual... Oh, that's a nice picture. Thanks, Jamie. My garden does not look like that. It's much more complicated than that. When it comes to uh, the enemy's attempts to undermine us, Jesus' name is the most powerful. It's, there's not a battle about it. Just speak in Jesus' name. Whether you're woken with fear in the middle of the night, whether you've got a, a constant lie that's happening in your head, in Jesus' name I'll break that lie. And then, guys, we've got to get into the Word of God because it is soaking full of truth. 
It is soaked full of truth. It really is. It's your sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God that is going to... Is gonna, um, it, it's the shield of faith as well. It's, it's the thing that is going to undermine every fiery dart of the enemy where he wants to undermine God's love for you who, uh, and who God is. We need to get into the Scriptures. Colossians 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this life rather than on Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to know the truth of God so that we can undermine the enemy's attempts to undermine us. So, we can, so we've got some anchoring. So Otherwise, our thoughts are going to go all over the place. We have to take captive every thought. Bill Johnson talks about he's not got time to have any thought in his head that, that, that the Father hasn't got for him. We've got to make sure that our thinking isn't stinking. Read 1 John 4. It's packed full of testing the spirits. It starts talking about testing the spirits. And then it just talks about how God's love. It talks about the love of God. That's how we discern what's going on. God's love. Is it about love? God wants to love us. We need to know truth. That could be a response for you today. To determine to get more into the word. So that you know what's God and what's not. So we deal with the problem. And then we decide to be commissioned. We need to be reminded again that God has got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. And there's a reason to be free. A, it gives glory to God who made us for him. And doesn't want us to be bound up and held back. But also because he's got purpose for you. To go into the world and speak about his goodness. To bring glory to him in the way that you live and act and relate to the people around you. And he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. So decide to be commissioned for the things that God has got for you and not to be held back. Great. Uh, I know I've spoken about a lot um, in that. But just to come back to what this story gives us, this image of this person who was probably at the very end, the lowest of low, the darkest of darks, Isolated from community, broken, everything, nothing had worked, everything had been had, had tried, and nothing worked, and they're stuck and at a dead end. If that is you tonight, or if that, there's a milder version of that is you tonight, just remember there is nothing in your history, there's nothing in your current, there's no pressure, there's no brokenness that is too big for Jesus to get hold of you to remind you of his incredible love for you and to invite him through the cross, the price that he's paid into relationship and, 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 and victory with him. Amen? Amen. Well, we love to make time uh, for the Holy Spirit to work in us. It's Pentecost Sunday. I think we should probably do that especially so today. We, we need that God's power to move in freedom. So if you're able to stand, would you, would you stand with us? We're going to just... Uh, do some praying. Why don't you just take a moment? You might want to close your eyes if it helps you just to focus. Why don't you just ask God, God, what, are you, what do you want me to know from this? What, what, what are you specifically saying to me?
Spirit, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be that wonderful counsellor, a mighty God and an everlasting Father in this, in this moment. Would you come to us? be great if we could take the opportunity tonight to do business with God and just say okay I want I want I want these chains that are bound me and I want freedom tonight I want freedom from these lies I'm going to stand and, and and say no in Jesus name so it may be that as the Holy Spirit just just prompts it might be that you just get you're just reminded of a lie that you've been living under or a habit and just just say I break that habit of thinking in Jesus name I break that habit of behavior in Jesus name no more I take the power out of it in the name of Jesus you might want to say sorry to God for believing in a lie there might be something you made an agreement with the, with the enemy about who you are and who, and, and who you're not and you might just want to say that is not me I am not a tomb raider I'm a town crusader in Jesus I am loved by the father Come Holy Spirit, come minister. <laughs> 